Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Do you really need a data scientist for your startup? Now, throughout my career, I have placed a lot of data scientists at smaller companies. Most of the people placed left within a year of starting with the common feedback that the work didn't warrant having a data scientist. Now, in most cases, a data engineer is more than sufficient to support the organization. Sure, AI and machine learning may be critical to your business, but why is the question that should be asked before anyone is hired? I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Awesome Razvi. Awesome has been focused on business intelligence for the past 20 years. He leads the analytics and data strategy for high growth companies. Awesome brings a wide background across media, communications, and finance, and has built business intelligence practices for PwC, Cognizant, and Accenture. Formerly the head of education and research for TDWI, where his focus was to rebuild the DWI brand through alignment with analytics, big data, and cloud thought leadership, which is what makes Awesome the perfect expert for today's topic. Awesome, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Rick. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. We're going to talk a little bit about something I've struggled with a bunch of times throughout my career when I have had hiring managers say, well, we need a data scientist. And I'm like, well, do you really need a data scientist? Because I've placed a lot of them that have been there for six months and left. And so we're going to talk about why it's important, I think, to really ask that question, why, and then how to um, hire data scientists. Sound like a plan? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, you know, I'd say, uh, do you need a data scientist? Maybe, right? Why do you need a data scientist? Uh, every, you know, every company is going to have a different answer to that, but it's uh, a little complicated. If we've got time, let's get into it. You're a hiring company. You think you need a data scientist. Why would you hire a data scientist? Well, you know, you need to have a data scientist when you need actually uh, someone to actually manipulate and manage data and figure something out for you. Mm -hmm. But you've actually got to know what that is, right? So you can't actually ask a data scientist, what do I need to know? You need to be able to tell a data scientist what I need to know, right? And then he can go figure that out for you, right? So it's a bit, it's a bit of a give and take, but the data scientist needs to be able to actually have something to work from, right? And he actually needs data, right? And if you don't have data because you have just started, or you know you just started collecting data, or you're you know you're at the beginning of things, then often you just don't need him, right? You're just not ready for the guy. I see this quite often in we're doing machine learning and AI, so we need a data scientist. Yeah, and I tell you, that's uh, one of the things I would say is. Uh, you're going to need a machine, uh, you know, a machine learning expert. But uh, when are you going to need them? The question is, uh, when are you going to get the data? When are you actually mature enough to actually be able to do something with uh, the guy you're going to hire, right? So, you know, what I turned around and say is, uh, is your business ready for a data scientist, right? And the, the question becomes, is the business ready to ask the questions that a data scientist needs to answer? Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to hire a data scientist and he's going to tell me what I need to know. Well, what is it you need to know? Do you, you know, are you doing fraud analytics? Do you need to understand what's happening with the, the predictive maintenance of your machine? You know, there's a lot of different things that can be asked. And 
It's not up to him to figure it out. It's a business. It's a business question yeah. that demands an answer that's loaded with data on the back end. Why is there this need? You think that founders have that they want a data scientist fairly early on? Honestly, sometimes it's just uh, saying, "Hey, we've got a data scientist on board. Uh, we're a data company. We're now data driven. We're now data powered." There's a hundred different reasons for why you might want to say those things, right? But to actually get any efficacy out of it or to get anything done with it, right? You really need to have a lot of things in place, you know, data maturity, right? The ability to have business users that are somewhat more mature than just using, say, uh, you know, like a report, right? They actually yeah. need to be somewhat more analytics, uh, analytical than, uh, you know, th than they are right now, right? So move people who are like maybe the information explorers, right? To information consumers to the, you know, the information analysts or what we call the power user, right, traditionally. So, you know, you need to move them up the, up the, up the chain so that they're ready to actually go talk to a data scientist. There's this disconnect, right? Company, I need a data scientist. And then the data scientists, they want to deal with large amounts of data. The more data, the better. But I find that sometimes data scientists get sold on joining a new company. And then, of course, once they get in there, then that's when they realize this play isn't going to keep me challenged. Yeah. And that's that's one of the traditional things I'll hear from a lot of data scientists. And uh, I've interviewed a lot in my time at the Data Warehouse Institute and other places, right, where I spent some time talking and understanding what their needs were, right? And the first thing that they said was, this place is not ready for me, Yeah. right? Or the other- That's what I've heard a lot too. Yeah. This place is just, not, just ready. not ready for me. Yeah. And, you know, they need to do a readiness assessment, right? Figure out when you need them, right? Because there's, there's not just the one thing of a data scientist, right? There's multiple other capabilities, right? There's regular analysts, right? There's quants, there's financial analysts, right? Mm -hmm. And there's data scientists. And you may need one of the others before you need the data scientists. So it's a step up, just like it is from information explorers to the power users, right? Same kind of thing on the disconnect with these yeah. guys, right? So um, yeah, there's maybe an organizational uh, issue as well, right? Where their business is not set up correctly to actually work with a data scientist too. What do data scientists usually want? From your experience, well, since you've interviewed a bunch of them, I mean, um, you know, well, what they want is to be actually had, um, given a data set and to be able to do a specific set of a analysis for the business that is focused on what we would call a strategic business initiative, right? So, in other words, if I give someone a data set and say, "Provide me some insights on this data set," they're going to tell you a hundred different things that may actually not relate to what you could actually do with that data, right? So it has to relate to a business imperative. And that means you need to work with someone on the business side so that you can actually do something nice, right? But to that data set, right, um, that implies a level of data maturity, right? That means that someone got that data set ready. And 90% of the time, what, we've, what I've heard from data scientists is I spent all my time or 70% of my time wrangling the data, right? Getting the data ready so I can actually do something with it. And I'm like, when you're paying that much money for a data scientist, is that the best use of this time? I don't, I don't think so. Probably not. It's a very expensive way, I think, to look at it. When should a company be thinking, hey, okay, now it's time to pull the trigger on a data scientist? Well, when you've got a level of data maturity and data governance within the organization, which means that, hey, he doesn't have to... It, um, wrangle the data set, right? It's what's called a curated data set. In other words, it's coming back and it's ready for him to work with, right? So often you will see data scientists work with raw data sets because it's not quite prepared. 
But in essence, a lot of times, a curated data set is a lot easier to work with because a lot of the work's been done for you. And now all you have to do is look for the insights or you know, like work with the algorithms upon that data, right? So what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that basically you should really be looking at a data scientist really as more of a strategic role, more so than we need somebody to come in here and execute a data plan. Right. So to execute a data plan, for instance, you might need the data engineers, you might need a head of analytics, for instance, right? Those guys will execute a data plan. But the data plan itself is to really get the data ready for a data scientist to really actually be able to do something useful with it, right? So if you are getting data from a machine, for instance, on, you know, like how long it needs, uh, you know, like how long it uh, has been on, how long uh, serums are going through it, how long uh, the engine's been running, or, you know, certain things like that. You can then take that data and um, once it's curated, make it uh, you know work on predictions. Right, um, this this uh, you know this uh, vehicle is probably going to need uh, you know an oil change within the next six you know six weeks. So assign it now so that you know it doesn't have to go into the mine or out of the mine you know on an automated schedule, and we can just take it out without stopping anything. So those are the areas where you would want the data scientist to be useful to actually predict something useful for you for your business, right? Not something to say, hey, you know what? Um, we think that uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, this vehicle is better than this vehicle. That doesn't help your mining business, right? So there's things that, there's insights that help you and there's insights that don't. Don't expect the data scientist to know what those are. That's what the business guy knows. And then you need a subject matter expert Right, working with the business guys, right, and they work um, what, in what I would call as the business data product owners, and they work with the data scientists, right. So it's almost like a vertical uh, pull, right, from the business saying, "This is what I need to look at," and the data scientist providing it, working with a data engineer who can actually give him that information in a curated way, right. So when you have it set up in an organization that way, things things work nicely. That's so very true. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find your link to uh, order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your startup secret weapon to landing the strongest talent. Our guest today is Awesome Razvi. He is a data expert, and we're talking a little bit about when to hire a data scientist, because I think where a lot of us get it wrong, we think, and I almost think it's kind of a vanity position in a way, right? Like if I've got a data scientist on board, that might look better to investors. Yeah. I mean, not only will you look, uh, you will look better to investors, right? But I mean, <laughs> a smart investor will tell you that's costing you a lot of money. So what are you doing with the guy, right? I mean, do you have a plan? Um, are you ready for him, right? Is there, is there what we call a co-creation feedback loop going on that you will actually leverage him within? And uh, the answer is usually no, right? Um, yeah, we'll eventually figure out what to do with him and we'll give him a career arc, right? But most times they don't have that. And so your data scientist is uh, likely to leave and quickly. So let's break this down. How do we assess whether or not we should hire a data scientist? Good point. Um, so I would say that as you go through your data maturity you know, life cycle, right? You become uh, better with your data. You move from a data-driven capability to a data-powered capability, which means you rely on information as part of your revenue, right? Then that's where you start thinking about leveraging data scientists, right? Unless you are um, you know, in fraud analytics or you're dealing with um, uh, you know, like uh, large-scale uh, financial institutions that are looking for anomalies within their information immediately, 
right? Then you need a data scientist right away. But you know, the caveat there is you already have the data, right? So the data is already flowing through. Situations like that with companies with large amounts of data flowing through, yeah, you know, you're going to need a data scientist pretty quickly. But you're also going to need to ramp up uh, your business acumen working with a data scientist also very quickly. But let's say you're a startup. You've got maybe 100 customers. Is that big enough to warrant having a data scientist? Yes and no, right? So I think in certain cases where you are um, dealing with large scale, large amounts of data right up front, yeah, it may it may warrant it if the analysis is part of your business value, right? So if you're going to be showing KPIs of a predictive nature, right, for intent to buy, or this person's a good hire, or you know, like whether you know whether you should uh, pick A or pick B, right? And that's part of your initial startup capability. Something something you're talking to investors about. Yeah, you need them right away, right? But what you also have to understand is. Uh, you know, they can't work without data, right? So there has to be a large amount of information. So for me, the basic trait that I look for is when am I going to have a large amount of data where I can use a data, data scientist, right? And when you start getting, when you use a car for IoT, for instance, like Tesla, and you're getting data from the car, you know, in the first month, I still don't have enough data, right? In two or three months, I might start having enough data to make basic predictions. But like for full self-driving, you need about a year's worth of data. So you want to focus on the data maturity first. Yeah, focus right. on the things that you actually never focus on anyway, right? Which is data maturity. Most organizations don't look at it, right? They're just like, okay, we're going to have reports. We're going to have a data warehouse. Oh, we might throw in a data lake house, right? Or something like that. And we might have some governance, right? But maturity is re never really a thing, right? Because maturity means that you need to actively pursue data as a strategic asset for the company, right? And most companies don't actually do that, right? They, they don't want to be valued or they don't care to be valued on their data. That's another conversation we can have offline because, uh, God, I see so much value in data and I think so many companies do it so right, but so many other small companies do it so wrong. They don't, they don't really value that data that they have that be so another stream of revenue. Yeah, and I think the uh, to, to that point, right, I would say that smaller to mid-sized companies with the right data and with the right uh, level of data maturity and data science capabilities, will take down a big company all day, every day, right? And that's something I think that big companies begin to realize is they are not as agile because the tool sets and everything that's available now are just unbelievable compared to what you could get five years ago. Man, it's just a matter of time before somebody eats your lunch for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. After we focus on the data maturity, what's the next piece that we focus in on? Business organization, right? So, you know, once you've got a level of maturity, right, uh, you that implies that, uh, you know, your uh, business leaders are understanding that you've got data maturity as an imperative within the company. Then what you need to do is you need to be able to create the right vertical, right? That means your business product owner then has to make the decisions on the hypothesis that he needs to understand with the subject matter expert around the data set. Who is that subject matter expert? Often it's a data engineer, but we're hoping in most cases, you've got a marketing specialist analyst, right? Or you've got a financial analyst, or you've got someone that's a particular data expert with that data set that you're looking at, right? So if you're looking at a data set for predictive analytics around um, cars or anything else, right? That you need to look at that data. The subject matter expert needs to be someone involved in that business, right? So. Once you've got them aligned, what you then do is 
you know, you work you work in what I call a co-creation feedback loop, right? With a data Wait, scientist. Is that, now, is that a subject matter expert? Is that typically your data engineer? Often with companies, it is a it is a data engineer, but this is a mistake in general because a data engineer does a lot of data manipulation as well, right? And so for him to be a subject matter expert as well as be handling all the all the the pipelines and everything else that gets that data to you, is you know it's a good start, but you need to trans like what needs to happen is the analyst and the data engineer also need to work in a in a in in a you know like in a not a parasitic relationship but in a symbiotic relationship right okay. where there where the where someone asks the questions and the data engineer supplies the model right got that's got to be the important part but then who's the product so the product owner usually sits within the business side of things right because what they're what they're beginning to do now is they're not just a product owner of the machine itself right but they are a data product owner right and that allows you to create ecosystems of data and those requests, right, then pull information from a data engineer through the subject matter expert and into the realm of what I call the data scientist. And the data scientist then looks for capabilities within that data, right? The insights in the data, which are relevant to the subject matter expert and to the business data product owner. Those are the keys, right? So once you get all that aligned, like you know, I was pointing out, that's much easier to do in a small to mid-sized company than it is to do in a big company, right? Sure. Where, you know, trying to get five people from five different organizations all aligned on one thing and reporting up through one area is almost impossible to do, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants a reorg or wants to add a data scientist or, um, you know, a data engineer to a business uh, to a business strategy, right? They usually don't do that. Which is funny because I find that being a hindrance to the business, right? Because, again, personal people's personal feelings about it, their, how they protect their roles or departments kind of come into play. Right. And you're, and that's how business is done today, mm -hmm. right? But it, um, mark my words, when you see a small company take down a big company very quickly, right, with a data platform, with the alignments that I'm talking about, um, they're going to change, right? Yeah. They're going to have to change. And Absolutely. you're seeing you're seeing a little bit of it, right? You see innovation uh, groups within bigger companies, Right, uh, so you see like heads of innovation. Teams and yeah, tiger yeah. teams. You begin to see that, right? Yeah. But that should because they want to act like more agile teams, right? That's essentially the thing. Which is interesting because then when finally things do come to light, that's when people end up getting fired because they weren't doing what was best for the business. I have seen it multiple times at uh, uh, multiple media um, companies where I recommended, hey, you know, you need to move to this. You need to move to the cloud. You need data science services, and you need all these things. And they're like. Yeah, and um, we'll eventually get to that. And then I've seen these guys actually literally get fired and then come back to me and say, hey, why did I get fired? I'm like, um, well, you know, like I laid this out for you as a strategy that you would need to do these things with a data scientist, but instead you decided to go with legacy systems and old ideas, right? Yeah. And so, you know, business and tech is, um, they're becoming forever intertwined, right? So, Tech is not the level of IT anymore. It's really sitting on the business side where they're leading that direction. You know, I find it interesting too that there's a lot of businesses out there that don't look at, they look at it as a cost function as opposed to an RRI function. Like they can actually drive revenue from their tech team. So that's one of those legacy thought processes, I think, that drive good people out and basically enable smaller companies to come beat the larger ones. 
Yeah, I think your your point on that is uh, is right on, right? Because what I see in general is IT is always looked at as a cost center, not to me, not a profit center. And literally, it's like that's the area where if you're going to say that you're going to leverage data as a strategic asset, you should be looking at your uh, revamping IT to be a profit center for you because that's where your data lives. And so you need to then align that with the business side of things, like I was talking the whole vertical uh, group, right? Put that in place and you're going to be able to do those things, right? And be a company that's valued upon its data instead of just the current products you have. We've got focus on data maturity. We've got organizational structure, right? And then is there anything else we need before we hire or decide to use an, a third-party source? You mean before the data scientist gets in there or yeah. Yeah, in general? Um, yeah, I think you need uh, a strong sense of data governance, right? Okay. Because... One of the things that happens when you get a data scientist on board is they bring together multiple different streams of data, right? So they're going to bring data from, uh, say, hey, if you have hotels, they're going to bring that in. If you have restaurants, they're going to bring that in. And, uh, hey, if you have cruise lines, then maybe they'll bring that data in before, right? So, you know, when you combine multiple sets of data, you may have individual governance across the three of them, right? But what happens when you combine all three? What are the rules then, right? Does the rules go out the window? Um, what's he supposed to see? What's he not supposed to see, right? So um, one time you want to be agile and be able to get things done. But on the other side, you need a strong level of governance. So, you know, you're, comp you're compliant with regulatory procedures. Now, as we both know, there's tools available that probably take most of the function of a data scientist away if you don't need one full time, right? And then, yeah. So let's talk about what tools can be used and like how can somebody kind of just use a data engineer and and yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think one of the areas that I think that uh, is really expanded is tools that complement a data scientist, right? So, uh, you know, example would be that I was running, um, I was running an intent to buy algorithm for a company once, and it took me six months to actually figure out the right algorithm. Um, you know, like two months later, I'm dealing with a company called Data Robot, for instance, and Data Robot has put together uh, a system, right, where you can upload your data set, and it will run you know, like basically a couple hundred different algorithms all at the same time to tell you which one you should use, right? And at that point, I thought to myself, I was actually going to hire a data scientist to go do that for me. But literally in a day, I was able to do what took me really six months to go figure out which algorithm it was, right? By the way, it was a, a linear regression algorithm for those of you guys that are wondering, right? But in general, it's uh, one of the things of there are so many tools out there, right, from ThoughtSpot to H2O.ai to DataRobot that make your life a lot easier where an analyst working with a quant or working with a subject matter expert and the business data product owners would be, um, you know, reasonably effective, right, where you may actually not need a data scientist at all. Which would save a lot of money. Absolutely, it would. Um, it would save HR having to wonder why your data scientist left early, right, because you didn't have a career arc with the guy, right, or the other yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that's the most important thing today is is that where am I going? Okay, what's next? Otherwise, people are just jumping ship to another place. Yeah, you've really, I mean, retention retention for a data scientist is completely different than, uh, you know, like most regular people, right? Most, you know, you think that you can either use, you know, like, uh, you know, like you mean know, it's money, or it's, uh, you know, it's um, you know more work, right, or the right kind of work. But sometimes uh, you deal, a lot of data scientists come from academia, right? So it's the role, right? Or 
it's um, you know the career um, making uh, you know white paper that you actually do, and you know those have very little business relevance, right? So mm-hmm. when you're combining those things with you know, trying to drive business relevance, I mean they don't always uh, you know coincide, right? And when they don't, um, you know someone gets disaffected and they just generally tend to leave. Well, I mean that's the been the feedback. It's always been the content of the work. Look at I've been here for this long. I mean it's just it's not challenging, boring work. Or I give people the data and they don't know what to do with it. Yep. My thought is when I get approached to do a search for a data scientist, I'm like, you really need a data scientist. I mean, that's the conversation that I open up with because, and what I found is most of the time, no, they don't. No, and they when do actually you, when don't. When do you actually need to hire a data scientist if you're a small startup? Um, if data science or data is your, pr- is your principal product, then I think you need to definitely think about it, right? Um, if you're someone that's building a UX UI and you're working with customers, eh, maybe not, right? But when if you want to actually be data, what I would call data powered, right, where you are, um, your revenue comes in from data and making money from data, right? Then you need to seriously consider uh, right away, you know, like whether you would need one or whether you need what I would consider data science capabilities within your teams, right? Because most data engineers will have the ability to um, run the algorithms for you, right? Or figure out which ones to use. Where I think it gets really difficult is when you need, uh, when you're working with neural nets, for instance, and you're working with unsupervised and unsupervised learning, right? Those are areas where, you know, you're going to look to, you know, data science right away to, uh, you know, to have profound impact on uh, what your product is going to do. So if it's a learning platform or something that's actually got some intelligence built into it. Yeah. And like I said, it's, uh, you need to always, always be cognizant of the timelines, right? It's very difficult to um, say that, you know, you need the data scientists right up front when you don't have any data for them to work on, right? That's like um, having a great mechanic and no car. <laughs> so very true. All right, Chi, we're getting pretty close on time. Awesome. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience to can plug into the business today? Um, I would tell you that uh, you know the things that you should uh, learn. Right, make sure you're ready for the data scientist. Right, so that means your organization has to be ready in a in the right format. Right, you've got a you, you got someone that wants to be a product owner on the business side. Uh, you're capable of an understanding of data maturity and want to be able to create a co-creation feedback loop. You need to know how to do those kind of things, right? Uh, the other part is you need to also have the data, right? So um, if you're not data mature, you're going to have a problem because otherwise your data your data guy is going to become the mechanic for your car instead of driving your car, right? Then you want to drive the car, you want the mechanic to be someone else, right? Like the data engineer. So those are the areas that I would say, make sure that you come in and get those right first. And uh, you know, generally you're gonna be fine. And then the other thing is, make sure you actually need a data scientist, right? Um, and get get the right people in the room because sometimes an analyst and a data engineer can be you know, very dangerous just on their own. Perfect, see, we solved this problem today. So awesome, thanks so much for your time investment today. Hey, anytime, man. And I wanna welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you and uh, find out a little bit more about what you do? Um, you know, hunt for me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm generally published on there. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm on. Hide him. Uh, I'm <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm like on Twitter. Uh, you know, data as art is my Twitter handle. Feel free to follow me. Um, you'll you'll be hearing uh, all kinds of stuff coming out uh, real soon. 
All right. Awesome. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. And if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. Love the feedback, by the way. You guys have been sending great questions and content suggestions. So keep it up. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Lee Rubin. Lee is the founder and CEO of Confetti. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.